I keep that um, quote up behind behind me as we uh, as we talk. Um, perhaps if nothing sinks into your heart and soul uh, with what I do in the next few minutes, maybe that will. But I want to talk specifically to y'all as students tonight. And honestly, to say to you, I, I, I really don't know how you do it. I don't know how you do it. Because I know that your life on a given day might look like this. Uh, go to work. Go to class. Go back to work. Go to class. Skip a class. Talk to somebody on the phone. Check your Facebook. Check your email. Except email is usually long, long on the list now, right? Check your Instagram. Take, check your Twitter. Post something on Facebook. Like something that somebody posted on Facebook. Watch something that somebody posted. Post something yourself. Keep up with the music. Keep up with the movies. Keep up with the book that everybody's reading, but you don't have time, so read the article about the book. Like that on Facebook and comment that that was a really good article about the book that everybody's reading that you haven't had time to read. I don't know how you do it. So many things. So many things in your life. But it's, we don't act that different in the church, though. I mean, think about maybe what some of us caught somewhere along the line about our relationship with God. Wake up. You're supposed to have a quiet time. Don't have, don't have time for a quiet time today, so listen to a sermon on the podcast on the way to class or on the way to work. You don't have time to fit in the whole sermon, so you've you got the first 10 minutes, so God, that's at least something, right? So that's okay. Then go to church. But it's pretty early, Sunday morning, so let's just go to the house instead, which is great. Couldn't go to the house this week, so, you know, maybe listen to the rest of the podcast that you started to listen to two days ago. Everybody seems to be talking about one book that seems to just have jump-started their spiritual life, so you download it. But you don't have time to read it, so read the article about the book that everybody posted on Facebook that liked, and you like it too, and now you know what the book is about. Download the devotional that everybody's talking about. But that didn't really meet your needs, so download the other one that everybody's talking about. And do you get the point? I really don't know how you do it. I don't know how we do it. Because we live in a world so many distractions. So many things that, that, that can be put forth as good things, necessary things. Things that, that have to be done and should be done. But how do you do them all? How can one person possibly do all of that? And I, I didn't even mention friends, relationship. Your mom and your dad keeping up with relationships. Returning phone calls, returning texts, listening to a voicemail. Do you even listen to your voicemail anymore? How do we do it? You know, it's really easy, I think, for all of us to, um, to get caught up in thinking that, that this, I guess, has to be the way that life is. And maybe it's the way that God just says, hey, you know, I'm here for your strength, just keep going. 
Just keep going. This passage that we're going to look at tonight is from the Gospel of Luke in the 10th chapter. And it does have to do with what Michael shared about anxiety and stress. The word anxious is is used in here. Distracted is used in here. Worried is used in here. But I want to set up this passage a little bit because it's really interesting that, that in this portion of the gospel, Jesus has called together disciples. And more than just the 12, he's got 72 people that are following him uh, closely. And after seeing who Jesus is and what he has done, Jesus then sends out these 72 into the world. He sends them out and to do certain things. He sends them out into towns and villages, and they, and they come back and they report to Jesus, Lord, we saw amazing things. They did all these things in Jesus' name, and they come back and they, they are overjoyed at this. And immediately after this story in the Gospel of Luke, we have the story of the Good Samaritan. Jesus tells a parable when he's asked a question about what's most important in the law. He says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbors yourself. And the person that asks him the question, well, who's my neighbor? And Jesus tells this story about three people that pass by someone who is hurt and bleeding, and finally it's one person, a Samaritan, a group of people hated by the Jews, that comes and gives mercy. And when he asks the man that asked the question at the beginning... Who showed mercy to the man that was hurt and bleeding? And the man said, the one who had mercy. And Jesus then says, go and do likewise. So we have these two stories, back to back, about doing. About what it means to follow Jesus and what we then do with our lives. And so it would be really easy for us to to listen to that and begin to think that, well, the Christian life then is about doing the right things, right? That long list that I just read, do the quiet time, listen to the sermon, go to church, read the book, read the Bible. Go to the service project, go on the mission trip. Do the fundraiser, all that stuff. It's really, we, we could fit maybe all that in. I'm not asking to, suggesting to rewrite the Gospels, but you could almost put all that long list in there right after these two stories. But listen to what happens instead. After these two stories about what it means to be a follower of Jesus and doing certain things, there's this story which serves as a correction, a corrective to that kind of thinking. So if you want to pull out your phone or look up on the screen, Luke chapter 10, verses 38 through 42. It says, As Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. She had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. She came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me. 
Martha, Martha, the Lord answered. You are worried, anxious, upset about many things. But only one thing is needed. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. I wanted to share the passages before this one because if we took this one by itself, we could walk away with, I think, a false assumption. Because if you remember what I said a little bit, a little bit ago, when somebody came up and asked Jesus what the most important thing was to do, he said, love the Lord your God. Right? And this passage here seems to go, oh, Love the Lord your God. And what that means is to sit and listen. But if you remember, he answers the question. He says, love your neighbor as yourself. So it's important that we hold Scripture together and not just read verses 38 through 42 and go, ah, that's what it means to be a follower of Jesus. Just sit and listen. Which, as I'm saying it, I know that Maybe I'm making it sound easy. All you have to do is sit and listen. But I want you to ask yourself, how hard would that actually be? How hard would it for you to be, that long list that I started with, get up in the morning, go to work, go to class, how hard would it be for you to break that way of living and instead slow down and take time to listen? It would be hard for me. Can I share something with you? And I, I really hope this doesn't come across as like this is the pastor throwing out his you know, spiritual stuff in front of people, but here, here we go. Um, my wife and I lent the 40 days before Easter. A lot of people give up something or they add something on, and my wife asked me what, what I wanted to do, and I said, you know what I feel like I need to do is begin each day, each work day that I came in here with 30 minutes of silence. And can I tell you how hard that has been for me? Extremely difficult. Because if I have more than one cup of coffee, I get revved up a little bit, the laptop pops open, the emails get answered, I check out Facebook so I can figure out who broke up with whom and who's together with whom so I don't embarrass myself when I see you in the hub. I still haven't figured it all out. I mean... And then my little thing on my calendar says, silent time. And I swipe it away. This is so hard for all of us. So hard for all of us to slow down and listen. I want to look at this story because I think that, that many of us can identify maybe at different times in our lives with both Mary and with Martha. Martha invites Jesus into her home. She wants to extend hospitality to her Lord. There's nothing wrong with that. She wants to make him a meal. And she sees her sister just sitting down. Any of you live with someone like that? You come home and you do the dishes, you do your laundry and all that, and your roommate is just sitting down. I'd get mad too. Here I am cooking my greatest feast for the Lord. 
while my sister's just sitting and listening. Maybe a part of me is envious because I want to be there too. I want to listen to what he has to say, but, but it's so easy for me to miss what's happening in front of me because I get distracted with what I think Jesus wants. And so what's really interesting, you can see this in the way that she talks to Jesus. She goes, don't you care? Lord, don't you care that my sister's left me to do this all by myself? I almost put a a whiny seven-year-old voice in there. All by myself. Martha has gotten so consumed in her own little world of wanting to serve that she doesn't see anybody else around her. What's ironic to me is she calls him Lord and then tells him what to do. You notice that? She says, Lord, tell her to help me. I don't know if any of you ever find yourself praying like this, like you have this elaborate name for God. One of the ones when, you know, I've told you I didn't grow up in the church, and so I picked up language from other people, and it seemed that the phrase, at least in the generation of people that mentored me, is that you, you, play, you prayed, gracious heavenly Father, right? You probably have heard me. I'll probably do it again tonight. Now I'm going to feel self-conscious about it. But anyway, so you say, gracious heavenly Father, to begin your prayer. And then you find yourself telling him what you need to do. God, I really need you to do the gracious heavenly Father, maker of heaven and earth, all that is seen and unseen and all these wonderful things. I need you to do this, and then I need you to do this. And I need you. Do, you not, do you notice the irony in that? How quickly we can move from, Lord, tell her to help me. Of course, Jesus answers graciously and says, Martha, Martha. And by the way, anytime you see Jesus call people by their name twice, you better pay attention. There's something important about to be said. And he says, you're worried and upset. I did a little bit of study on this word, and this word about being worried and upset actually means like drawn off and around and away. And the picture that I got was kind of like a whirlwind. Like you were here, and then all of a sudden you're drawn off over here, and then off over here, and then off over here, and you're drawn off and away. Does anybody feel like that's the life that they live on a daily basis? You were walking one way, and then you forgot what you were even going to do because something happened, and then something else happened, and something else happened, and then you live your life as if everything is halfway done. If you feel like that, Martha maybe is your heroine in the scriptures. Jesus says to her that only one thing is necessary. One thing. How many of you would like your lives to be about one thing right now? Just one. One thing. It doesn't seem possible, does it? But here is this story in the scriptures where Jesus says that only one thing is really necessary. You know, we don't hear much. We don't hear anything really from Mary in this whole thing. Did you notice that? We just hear her mentioned by name. She never speaks. The only information we have about her in this is that she was sitting and listening. She wasn't even, (laughs) we didn't hear that she's taking notes. She wasn't taking notes. Selfie with Jesus, posting it. 
She wasn't tweeting about something that he said. Just sitting, just listening. And Jesus looked at her and said, that's what's better. Now, I want to go back to something that I said at the beginning. I don't want you to walk out of this place and go, well, okay, so what I need to do, my Christian life needs to be just sit with Jesus. Because as I said earlier, he commands his followers, he, he invites his followers to go and spread the love of God to the world. So there is a part of us, it's a part of our mission that we do do things. We serve the world in love. This week, serving Howard High School, just a mere minutes from this place, there are things that we do in the name of Jesus. But I think that this passage serves as a correction for us if we think that Jesus will somehow be more pleased with us the more that we do. We sit at his feet first. We sit at his feet first and learn from him. That quote that was still up there, um, by this author and writer named Sky Jathani. Our staff watched a video of his, which I would really encourage you. you could, there's not many people, I don't think anybody, named Sky Jathani in Google. So if you Google Sky Jathani and Q, the letter Q, it's a name of a blog, this video will probably come up. It's this nine-minute video that talks about the religions of the world including Christianity. Very quickly, I want to talk about four what Jathani calls postures that all of us probably can identify with. The first one is this, is that in all religions, in different times, we can find ourselves living under God. And what that means is that God to us is the rule maker and we are rule followers. And then you, we see this throughout history, and we have certainly seen it in our culture, that a shift can be made to be over God. God is not necessary anymore. Humans are the highest. God is not necessary. We are over God. We move from being under, fearful, rule followers, to thinking that he's not necessary. And then another shift that can happen is that we begin to treat God as the meter of our needs. It's a consumer mindset, so we take things from God. We want God to give us certain things, and God is the machine from which we get the things that we want. And the last one, Jathani says, is this life of living for God. And I think that as I've lived and ministered around you all as students, and I read what's going on on Facebook and Twitter is that I think this is the posture that you think that Jesus wants for you. That to be a follower of His in this day and age, this means that you have to do and do and do things for Him. And Jathani says, many marvelous and wonderful things are being done in the name of God today. Wells are being dug. Slaves are being set free. People that are hungry are, no, are not hungry anymore. But it's really easy for us to begin to believe that what Jesus wants from us is more and more and more 
for him. And Mr. Jathani says that instead, we need to begin to imagine what life would look like with God. Not under, not over, not from, not for, but with. What would your life as a college student begin to look like if you woke up and, and ardently believed that He was with you and your life right now was you living with God? How would you make that happen? How would you begin to, 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 to recognize that truth in your life? Well, I think that the example of Mary would serve us well. How many of us, myself included, take time to sit at His feet? Simply to sit. To be quiet in front of Him. To read His Word without trying to get something out of it like a vending machine. But to simply be with Him the way that Mary was with Him. Perhaps some practical ways, and I know that this first one is going to make most of you go, no way. What if you turned your phone off for a few minutes? Just a few minutes. Could you do that? With the intentionality that you would be quiet somewhere before God. And don't do the typical college student loophole thing and say, well, I turned my phone off, but I have my laptop open. It's not what I'm saying. Turn the phone off, turn the iPad off, turn the laptop off, and simply be with God. Could you, could you fast, remove yourself, from something like Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, for the remainder of Lent, which is only like 15, 20 days. And begin to wonder if you took that time and simply began to be with God, perhaps with a, an open Bible just asking Him to speak. And every time that you wanted to click to see what somebody was saying or if anybody liked what you last wrote. Instead, you began to wonder if God really loved you and not just liked you. I'll tell you something what's hard about fasting. I never fasted from anything until I was an intern in Colorado in a college ministry and I was in a core group of a bunch of guys and we decided to try fasting one day a week for like a month. And our mentality was kind of messed up, I think, because we, we just thought, well, everybody talks about this fasting thing, so let's try it. So we all told ourselves we'd fast from sundown on Saturday to sundown on Sunday. And then we would go and eat at an all-you-can-eat buffet afterwards. Yeah, you get the humor behind it. We thought it was great. It was like reward. That idea of fasting from something, removing something from your life, 
basically treats the fast as if, wow, I did it. I was able to go 24 hours without something, without the intentionality of putting something else in its place. It's not about a 24-hour spiritual victory, but it's about recognizing the power that those things might have in your life and instead finding the power that Christ offers us. So I share that with you to just say, don't do what we did. And perhaps the third practical thing you could do is to simply do less. The next invitation, the next work shift, the next opportunity, the next internship, whatever it is. What if you said no? I had a mentor of mine once say to me, just because there's an opening in your calendar doesn't mean that it should be filled. The final thing is one that you have probably heard me say before because it's a simple sentence that has probably transformed more of the way that I try to live life than any other. And it comes from a professor that I once took a class with a man named Dallas Willard who has since died. But he began his class to 25 pastors from around the world with these words. Resolve to eliminate hurry from your life. And instead of following the example of Mary, I took out my pen and my pencil and not a pen and pencil, pen and paper and wrote that down. And then said, okay, what's he going to say next? But he let that statement sit for a while. And I want that, let that statement sit with you too. What if you made a resolution here and now tonight to eliminate hurry from your life? I think if we did, we would find that we would be less anxious, less worrisome, less distracted. And we found ourselves more in places where we could sit and listen to God. I hope that this whole thing hasn't come across as condemning or judgmental or anything like that. Because like I said at the beginning, I don't know how you do it. And I know that this life that you have picked up on from the world, is not, it's not your fault. You haven't had any other model. All of your peers do it, and, and the world tells you to add more and more and more. So it's not your fault. You haven't known anything else. So I don't know how you do it. But I'm here to tell you that you don't have to do it either. Jesus says only one thing is necessary. One thing. He says, with me. Let's pray.
Father, I know Your Word says that apart from You, we can really do nothing. It feels like something, the things that we do. But apart from You, all can seem meaningless and empty. And Lord, we know that the story tonight of Mary and Martha does not call us to live lives like monks away from the world. For You have called us to be in this world. You have called us to serve our neighbors and love our neighbors as ourselves. And yet tonight, may we grasp that we cannot begin to do that if we have not first sat at Your feet. Would you please help us to make space to sit, to learn, to listen, to be patient as we may not see change for some time. But may we begin to live a life that is with you. For in you, in you is life and life abundantly. In Jesus' name, amen.